joining us. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Flame. Hey, fandom. Ults, ults, ults. Today in episode 17, we're doing a deep dive into one of my favorite universes, The Ultimates, also known as Earth 1610. I chat with Ferret and Sir Sapling, who is also our amazing cover artist in this episode, about what they love about ults, how to get started reading it, and what makes Stony special in that universe. Anyone who's hung out with us on Discord knows that ults, ults, ults is how you summon Ferret. <laughs> so obviously this is a really big passion and I was really excited to dig into it because like you guys know, I'm a comics newbie. So it's a really good conversation. Make sure to tune in. Then we're going to dive into a really fantastic Ultimates fic, Never Too Late for Love by Sinela. We'll wrap up with Community Talks, our very last life of an event where we sum up how Stuckony Summer Stocking went, and a quick animal corner as a treat before our hiatus. Ooh, speaking of hiatus, guys, we're taking a break. Mm -hmm. um, so you may remember that we've waffled about MTH. That's happening. And so to make sure that we keep our heads on our shoulders as much as humanly possible, Fair and I are going to be taking a break for two episodes to give us some time to focus on Marvel Trump's hate but we'll be back on November 22nd with a special Thanksgiving episode, American Thanksgiving, before you at us, we know. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. <laughs> Though I would keep an eye on the feed anyway, because you never know when we drop a little bonus <laughs> treat. The Thanksgiving episode will feature audience participation as well. So if you want to get involved, listen to today's community talk segment or watch our social media and Discord server for the deets on that. Obviously, we'll miss you guys while we're gone, but we also hope that every one of you will participate in Marvel Trump's hate in some way, whether it is sharing it everywhere, bidding yourself, or perhaps you've already signed up to be a creator. We get some amazing fan works that are donated and we support some really, truly amazing charities at the same time. The auction runs from October 18th to the 24th. We are both for sale, not in that way, but I am offering <laughs> and Ferret is offering craft. And a fic. And a fic. Oh, guys, we've got a double threat happening here. <laughs> I'm just writing. I'm just writing things. But we are both so excited. We've waffled about this event a lot. And don't worry, we're going to be waffling about it even more. But today, let's focus on ults. Without further ado, let's get started. Right, friends and neighbors, we have a real special treat for you today. I am on mic with Ferret and Sap, who really, really love Ultimates. Like and lot. they are going to tell us Not why we should and what the hell we're supposed to do with even figuring out what is going on. This is going to be a really great conversation for, I'm going to guess, legitimately somewhere around 80% of us who don't know what to do with this wonderful giant universe that we keep hearing about. So first of all, Sap and Ferret, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. And who, you're gonna fight over this, I can feel it. <laughs> who, what, what is this? What is going on? Help. Sap, you can start. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so The Ultimates was a comic published in 2002 that was essentially Marvel's sort of first attempt at a reboot before the MCU came out with the idea of having a gritty, realistic set of superheroes. I should note that realistic goes off the rails really quick, but it was what they wanted to do. Um, it's 
a much smaller amount than 616. It's a little bit shorter. It ended in around 2014, 2016. And it's just a retake on Marvel's favourite heroes, but from a different perspective and from different villains and ideas. It's it's usually called the asshole verse, or at least that's what we call it. It's um it's definitely got this sort of over the top, dark, gory approach where that realism just turns for me into kind of soap operatic melodrama. I think it takes the isms so far that they become funny instead of horrifying. I was yeah. I've said before that it sort of feels like a fourteen year old tried to write the darkest thing they could possibly think of and there the are definitely yeah. There are definitely points where they just, you can tell it was the verse where they sent writers who wanted to do things they weren't allowed to do in 616, and boy, did they do it. Yeah, absolute free reign, and it shows. There's, I think, the first ism you come across is sexism, but the second ism, and this is not very far into it, is cannibalism. So there's, there's definitely, they sort of hit all the points you could possibly hit. And speaking of all the isms, before we go a whole lot farther, I want to let you guys know that I've told Sap and Ferret to talk about this openly and the whole run as much as they want to. So if you want to dive in to ults and have absolutely no spoilers, unfortunately, this chat isn't actually going to be for you, but we'll make sure that there's stuff in the show notes about how to get a hold of us so that you know where to dive in. But if you are, we have a no spoil, like spoilers don't exist kind of policy here at Potscast. So just be aware that I've given them free reign to talk openly. So with that in mind, um, there are some major differences that are important to sort of know, or at least sort of set you up for how different Ultimates Universe is to maybe the MCU or 616, if that's where you used to. Um, First of all, Tony's backstory is that he has a terminal brain tumor. He has cancer. And so his Iron Man is sort of a last hurrah, go down fighting kind of (laughs) semi-suicidal reaction. It's pitched as in sort of the comics and the books as his desperate attempt to have a lasting memory that isn't just his money. He really just wants to be someone. Alt's Tony is so, he's got such a big heart and he's very open about his feelings and he falls in love really easily, which gets him into trouble a lot. And I think he's one of my favorite Tonys because of that. I just see that he, he doesn't really fight how much he loves everybody. He leans into it and it's just, it just turns out sad for him so often. There's kind of a joy being able to fix that for him too. Oh, is he still like is he still stark genius does he still do they still make weapons like is that still part of it yeah well so it's not tony's backstory isn't super clear there are comics that cover it but they're not considered canon and so it's really if you want to read those take and pick what you like it, you know it's what we all do anyway but they did he, one of the biggest like retcons i mean i can't say in comics history because i don't know about 616 but they did a massive like tony backstory retcon so like they did two yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say for sure what story we're running with. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, one of the biggest notes that's different about Tony, he's, he's not Anthony, he's Antonio. Mm. And the writers forget that, so it's fair if you do, do. but he he's is got blue eyes. <laughs> he has got blue eyes. Oh, God, that's still a thing. <laughs> but um, in terms of his more like recent backstory, he's still a genius and he still created Iron Man, though it's a bit 
It's a bit less flashy and a bit more like heavy duty mechanical. I find he needs people to help him get into it. And there's like a whole building for it sort of. We call it the tanky suit. It's eight feet tall and it's yeah. massive and I adore it. It's a big, it's so boy. cool. And it's full of goo. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the goo sap. You know, you want to. So Tony's suit in their attempt to sort of make it more realistic is full of what they call cushioning gel. And it's with the attempt so he wouldn't slam his head into everything every time he flies around. He's essentially scuba diving in the suit. I think that's the thing worth noting about Ops Tony. He's a bit of a daredevil. You are introduced to him standing on top of Mount Everest. He's a scuba Not in diver. A suit. He's just he's just mountain climbing yeah. by himself. Yeah. On Mount Everest, dra- uh, dragging his co-workers around who really don't seem to like it, but he's having the time of his life. And then within a couple of panels, he's in space. So he's a bit of a daredevil and his suit is essentially a scuba suit full of green gelatinous goo okay (laughs) and it's i really have to stress this technically considered a lube it is a lubricant it is an industrial lubricant hangs out in lube like hangs out constantly in lube in his underwear so he comes out of the suit pre-lubricated well that's going to make things easy for steve because they're like quite something in this aren't they they, they, yeah. I mean, yeah. their relationship is complicated. It's complicated, but it's so much fun. But nobody writes about the goo. Yeah. If anybody's out there and wants to write, no, I wants to make Sap happy, write about the goo. Write about the goo. We've but, got emojis for it. <laughs> we do. But, um, like, pivoting to Steve before we pivot to their relationship, um, I find Steve's backstory really engaging yeah i think so to explain steve's backstory it's very similar to sort of other backstories but with some very big twists it's where old steve is not an orphan he was born to the same sarah and joseph but his parents outlive him and he has a brother we never meet his brother but it means because he has a brother he actually has a niece when he comes out of the ice so steve went into the ice with family and came out without it alongside he was also engaged to a woman called gail and um she didn't really stick around for that when he came out of the ice and married bucky in the biggest change i think is worth noting for steve's history so bucky doesn't end up on a parallel super soldier path bucky um steve goes into the ice and bucky and gail get engaged as young people and so when steve is thawed bucky and gail are both elderly and they've got eight grandkids (laughs) they do have a lot of grandkids so he finds out when he woke when he wakes up that the woman he's engaged to is married and had a full life with his best friend who in the house they wanted to get married in (laughs) yes and um him and bucky bucky's younger than him at the beginning though they never really clarify anyone's ages but he has a bit of a like mentor mentee kind of relationship with bucky you don't get a lot of it but um, and so they're married and they've had kids and they've had a whole life and old Steve, I mean, you see him cry about it. He's, he's really, it's a difficult thing for him to deal with. And I think it, we get sort of a little taste of that with Peggy in the MCU, but Alt's comics really digs into that. And he does keep having a relationship with them after that. Yeah. Alt's is really great if you want to see Steve cry because he cries a lot in a way. I, it really draws me to him as a character. He's, he emotional and he is open about it and he's very loving with the people he tries to sort of date he's not very good at it but he's trying and so 
he's kind of the Steve that comes out of the ice with the most to lose because he, he loses everything. He's got a big range in a way that a lot of Steves don't because this, the mask of Captain America is sort of, there's this idea of it being this like manly stiff upper lip, show no emotion. And with MCU mm-hmm. Steve, he, you see him bottle up pretty much everything that he feels. And sometimes it comes out as anger with old Steve. He like, he gets really angry. Sometimes he gets really sad. Sometimes he falls in love. Like you get to see a real range with him which you might not expect with what you probably have heard about alts, that, that they would do that. There's not so much of a separation between Steve and Cap in alts. Yeah. Steve very much takes the approach of, I'm Captain America, fuck you if you don't like it. And that's kind of, it makes him a very different Captain America. He's a bit of a dick. None of us can, can deny that. Yeah, but, but, but sexist too, as they all are. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's not great. But to be fair, I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap for what he says because Tony said some stuff as well we all choose to ignore. And, you know, he's just, he's he's emotional and he's open and he struggles, but he's deadly sweet sometimes. And I think he's brilliant. Yeah. And their relationship, they've got some ups and downs, but I wouldn't say it's as like extreme at either end as 616 can be. Well, it's um, no civil war. Yeah. Uh uh, Tony also has a really lovely relationship with Thor and Thor is quite a big character. So if you're interested in um, sort of a poly ship, the, I think that the Thor, Steve, Tony potential in alts is really strong and that more people mm. should dive into that. <laughs> and Thor is a big old hippie. So just read it for that. Yeah. Thor is a great character. He's super fun. You get to see him really early on and he has some great arcs and uh, really worth He's a, he's a different version of Thor, as they all are different versions of themselves. So I think it's really fun. So if we want to dive into these kind of different versions of these people, because like everything you're saying sounds like, I love, I'd love to read a Steve that is allowed to have emotion. <laughs> like, that sounds delightful. Do you guys have a place where I should start? So Alts is a little bit easy on that one. And it, only starts easy because it's a comic book and so you know they divulge into insane naming conventions but ultimates starts at least for steve and tony with ultimates one and then you finish reading ultimates one you can go on to ultimates two and then ultimates three so it's a little bit of an easier start it's how i mentioned last time i got into it because it's one two three it's not one two three but one two three on this and this and this they start together and you're introduced to them at the same time and you're introduced to the Ultimates as a singular thing, all in the same comic run. It's, yeah, it's really easy to get started. And like Sap said, you get both Steve and Tony right from the first issue. So if you're in, if you're in it for, the, for Steve, Tony, or for the Stony, then you don't have to like spend a decade getting to know one of them before they ever interact. It's right off the bat. Okay, yeah. and so like one, two, and three... When I go on Amazon, there's something called an omnibus. There's something called collections. Should, is there a way that, like, I should just be careful? I buy, like, the first, like, Ultimates 1 is the Ultimate 1 collection, and then I go from there? So Amazon's a bit dicey when it comes to Ultimates comics, and All they don't have books, a lot really. of them. All comics. I mean, yeah. Is there, a, is there a better place for me to look for comics, then, or for One our thing listeners? that's I found really useful, most major comic book shops will cut, carry Alts 1. Um, okay. They might carry the collective, but most of the ones I've been to will have a copy of Alts 1 through 6. So it can be an easy way to start. But generally, just 
keep an eye on what the covers look like. You know, there's less than legal ways to find out what the covers look like and then purchase based on those I found is the most easy way to find stuff, especially if you're trying to buy alts two, because there are two alts two, there's alts two and there's alts squared, and they are a decade apart, but algorithms don't take squares into account. We will link in the show notes to the three covers you should look for for one, two, and three, so that you can match to those if you want to find them. And then after that, it does get pretty hectic. It is sort of like someone got drunk and cut out all the words that they liked, like new <laughs> and comics and ultimates and Avengers and new again and comics again, and put them in a hat and shook them up. And then every time they wanted to name something, they just pulled a bunch of those out and then added a number on the end. Sometimes they add ultimates twice, you know, like ultimates, comics, the ultimates. New ultimates, comics, the ultimate ultimates. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, they do do that. So um, <laughs> after that, we would both recommend that you use a reading list where everything is, is written out <laughs> so that you can follow it. Carly. The best reading list we've come across, and shameless plug, is on our own server. Sunella wrote us one uh, two years ago that is... We are editing it slightly because we found in reading it's a little different, but it's generally the best way you can go back. It's how I read it the first time. And even if stuff isn't quite on, you will get the gist. It's a really great list. And even if you don't want to join our conversations in our alt server, we have the resources and also the people who can answer questions. If you come in and say, do I have the right issue for this? You'll definitely get an answer about whether you're on the right track. So it is one of those things where I think having somebody help you as probably with all comic collections, is the best way to make sure you're reading the right thing. Yeah, find a helper, especially if it's from anything that's not in the past decade, that's when it gets dicey. I mean, even if you're not comfortable coming to the server, I'm happy to field alt questions whenever. Send Sap alt questions on Tumblr and you'll make his month. Do it, please. <laughs> uh, any, in Discord, Tumblr, Twitter, anywhere, just talk to me about it. Well, that is a really great invitation. But obviously there's gonna be people that want to engage with fic, I would imagine, before they even wanna start talking about the comics and the source material. Um, this is just gonna be my guess, speaking from personal experience, cause I've read several Ults fics and haven't touched a comic book. So <laughs> this is obviously like, from my perspective, once you know a couple things, it, they were pretty easy to get into. Do you guys hear that that's everyone's universal experience? I would 99% of the people that come into the server have read an alts fic and often it's the same alts fic or the same three alts fics. We all get that one and then we come in. I've had maybe two people come in and say they've read no fics, they want to read the comics first and they're the greatest because they know nothing and it's so funny. But, you know, most people will read a fic first and we don't blame you for that. It's a very easy way to get in. Yeah, or like, I think some people even don't realize that they're reading old fix until they start going like, wait a minute, why are Tony's eyes blue? Or why are they called the Ultimates and not the Avengers, which is also a, f a feature of Ultimates, which may confuse people. There is a group called the Avengers. And um, Sat, maybe you want to explain the difference between the Ultimates and the Avengers on a slight tangent. So the Ultimates are your sort of, what you would normally think of as the Avengers. It's Tony, Steve, um, Janet Van Dyne, or I guess she's Janet Pym in The Ultimates, Hank Pym, um, Clint, Natasha, sort of a general group, was meant to be Bruce, then it's not Bruce, and that's very <laughs> apparent in the first comment. <laughs> yeah. um, but that is your general group. The Avengers come along a little bit later, sort of after an event called Ultimatum, which the name is apt. 
Um, and the Avengers are run by Nick Fury as his sort of dirty ultimates because the ultimates, one of the things that is brought up quite a lot is they're very PR heavy, at least at the beginning. So they have to look good. They do a lot of drug busts and fire, putting out fires. They do extra stuff. You never get to see it, but we are told they do it. Whereas the Avengers are the behind the scenes. We need to do something, but we need you not to do it in the public. (laughs) But they they do it in the public anyway. You can't not do it in the public without the Hulk. But that consists of Clint, again, after some grunginess and uh, depression. Then... A various amount of villains. You've got the Punisher and uh, someone called the Red Wasp, and you've got Monica, who is uh, Nick Fury's sort of baby mama, but not, and that's really just complicated, even to us. <laughs> um, and it's all run by Tony's evil brother, Greg. Oh, yeah. Tony has an evil twin brother called Greg in the Ultimates. That's another thing you might want to know. <laughs> he wears blonde and white to Tony's black, and it's funny every time you see him. They have a great dynamic that needs so much fic written about it. Oh yeah, they are just, they spit and hiss at each other, like the worst kinds of siblings. It's, there's a whole interaction of walking down a hallway, just one-upping each other and, you know, even calling each other fat. And it's just so funny. But if you want to read Alt's fix, first of all, I'll say we've set this up as like this, this like intense, dark, ism filled, nasty asshole verse. But the fix actually tends to be quite fluffy, I think, sort of as like a slingshot reaction to that. Um, so if you're scared that it's all dark fic and there's a lot of death and destruction, it's not true. There's actually a lot of really soft alts fix. And a lot of the fix that Sap and I write in alts are, are a lot of like... Um, struggling emotions that have happy endings at the end or a lot of porn so a lot of porn (laughs) we only kill them when we're we're apart from each other (laughs) i don't think i ever have (laughs) you don't kill them with other people (laughs) i only killed tony once it was fine (sighs) but anyway (laughs) um i think as long as you know that Tony's backstory and he has cancer and that's something you're prepared to see come up it's not really like a super heavy awful thing in the comics it's a great opportunity for her comfort to be honest so Mm -hmm. if that scares you I don't think it should but you should be aware that you're gonna see it's just gonna get dropped in 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 alt fix because it's an it's an inevitable part of the universe Um, yeah I I think it's worth being aware fix are not always going to be tagged if they involve Tony's cancer generally if they involve Tony's cancer to an extent it's the point of the fic they will be but if it's dropped in the background people won't tag it and that's been a problem that's come up in comments before yeah so be prepared for that that's just something alts readers are prepared to see um and if you know about bucky and gail being married and gail being steve's ex and then both being old that will also help a lot because i think there's a tendency for a lot of confusion people see the name bucky and they assume that he's either the winter soldier or that he and steve are at least the same age um and that's very much not true in alts and if you've Mm. got if you've got that and Greg, I say go forth and read. Like if, if the comic universe doesn't interest you, there's so much good alts fic out there and there's no reason to avoid it because you haven't read it. Because to be honest, canon isn't that, I wouldn't say it features super heavily in a lot of alts fics and a lot of the best alts fics are, are sort of nestled in subtly into canon. If, and if you, if you don't get it, you can just kind of gloss over those things I, I would highly recommend people still go out and read the old fix you're missing out on some great stuff I think very few old fix are written after alts 2 most of them focus before but I think yeah. it's worth noting because I've just thought of it 
it's maybe worth Googling if you have favourite characters that aren't Steve and Tony and that we haven't mentioned here. It may be worth just giving them a quick Google to see what they get up to the, in the alternates because some of them are evil. You know, yeah, a lot if you of, like Natasha, we're really them. sorry. If you like Bruce, he's really bad. If you sorry. like Hank, if you like Reed it's Richards, not great. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be everybody's favourite thing. And if you're able to look past those people being evil, awesome. Ultra might be the thing for you, but I've had people who it, it's a deal breaker and it's understandable. I do think that you very much have to see alts as a separate universe. Like if you love these characters from other places, that's not always like the best avenue to come into alts because their goal is to fuck everybody up as much as possible. So you might be disappointed. If you're here for Steve, Tony and Thor, you're aces. But if you're here for anyone else, take a breather and a step back. (laughs) Um, But it's really fun. The fix are great. I think... And the the um, the art is a wild ride sometimes too. It varies a lot. Some of the oh. early arts, like some can, really good and some not so great. I mean, I like to protest that I love every bit of alts, even the bits I was told not to read because I ended up loving them. But the only one I hate is alts three because the art just uh, it bothers me so much. It doesn't bother a lot of our readers. Uh, some of my mods definitely disagree with me, but I can't stand it. Yeah, everyone seems to have some, dip- well, not everything is disagreed on. There's some panels everyone <laughs> agrees are really bad. And there are times yeah. when Steve and Clint are basically twins. We have, there's a couple of times we've had people be like, wait a minute, is this Steve or Clint? And no one's entirely sure without context. Oh God, yeah, there was one bit of comic I was convinced for ages was Steve. And then I read it and I was like, oh, that's Clint. Oh, and Clint. the only difference you get is that Clint's hair is down and Steve's hair is up. Yeah. And that's it. Because this is one of those things that we should say really quickly for people who don't engage with comics at all. Different artists do different comics. Like it's not just writer and artist the whole way through, which is something that I didn't know until I got into fandom. So in alts, like Miller, someone Miller, right, is the main, one of the main people. But how many other kind of folks are we dealing with here? Well, so the big names you want to mention when you're talking about alts is the first sort of two volumes are written by a man called Mark Miller Mark, and he returns later to write a lot of other stuff he's famously the writer of 616's Civil War so he's not an unknown writer but you have for the first two comics it's a guy called Brian Hitch and then it sort of roulettes through other artists you've got some better ones like uh, Lennel Yu does a lot or you've got Frank Cho got some work in uh, an <laughs> alt which if you don't know who he is I suggest googling it He's not great. But there's also some other big names like um, Hickman writes a very good amount of alts. There's also, um, there was that, they do that, they do a really cool thing in Ultimate Spider-Man um, sap, the, yeah. the, where they have they have like alternating artists every issue or even within the issues. Do you have like an artist perspective on, on that kind of project? So I think the one you're talking about is a comic called well, it's Alt number 150, and it's because it's an anniversary edition. And throughout that comic, they choose to tell different stories from the perspectives of different people and from Peter with different artists. So there's um, a bit with Steve, Tony, and Thor that's drawn one way, but when Steve talks about his experience with Peter, it's drawn by one person. And then when Tony talks about his experience with Peter, it's drawn by another person. And Thor's experience is another person. And really wildly different. They are massively different. Like some of them are very um, detailed, and some of them are straight, like sa- sa- uh, Saturday morning cartoon style. Yeah, like, Iceman's one in that is just 
it's like a webtoon but he continues through different artists as he meets different people you know you've got steve in one shot where he looks perfectly normal and there's one where he looks like a fucking dorito and it's great <laughs> <laughs> he's, a tr- he's a straight triangle and it's he really so funny. yeah we should link to that one too because it's pretty great i can i can get the photo very easily i, I mentioned it in the server last week so yeah alts is i mean comics in general you get to have that kind of uh those changes but i really love that they brought everybody together and did that kind of wacky thing for ultimate spider-man And speaking of Ultimate Spider-Man, there's clearly lots of different, like after the beginning of Olds, they did split into lots of different characters just like they have in 616. So you have Ultimate Fantastic Four and you have Ultimate X-Men and you have Ultimate Spider-Man. And that can make it feel kind of overwhelming, but we have the Steve Tony reading list. So that's a good place to start. And it also gives you a taste of some of the other characters who, who cross over for a bit. We make uh, reading Spider-Man a mandatory part of our reading list because we think it's important. And because it's worth noting, there are two Spider-Men in alts. If yeah. you've ever heard of Miles Morales, especially well, people might have, yeah. Film. Yeah, into most people have seen Into the Spider-Verse. Miles Morales is from alts. That's where he originated. So I think a lot of people are going to come and look at alts after that. And it's a he's a great way to get started because he's a really brilliant little character. Yeah, I really like the um, Spider-Man run that we do and there's more Spider-Man if you want to branch off of Steve Tony. And then there's lots more other characters um, that sort of intersect briefly with our reading list, but then have more outside of that that you can go read. So yeah. I think it's a little more welcoming than 616 in terms of volume, because you're not up against 60 years of hundreds of different writers and artists taking things in hundreds of different directions with probably thousands of characters. Um, but it still gives you kind of a taste of what the experience of reading comics is like and some of the cons to trying to work your way through comic lists without being so overwhelming that it's bordering on prohibitive. I mean, my original intent when reading Alts the first time back in 2018 was to read it before starting 616 because it seemed like an easy start. And then I got stuck, so (laughs) don't do that. You might get stuck forever. 616 is worth reading too, but if you wanna wanna try out because something like um, Noir 18, 1872 has like a, that's a nice contained way to read just like one small run of comics. But mm-hmm. if you want to take it a step further and start, you know, really diving into a world that's expanded more, I think Ultimates is a great place to go. And I think don't be scared by the Ultimates. I think a lot of people are and a lot of people that we get into the server are because it gets a little bit of a bad rep in fandom. And, you know, it's getting better. But it is pegged as the asshole verse. And you're not entirely wrong, but people come in expecting them to hate each other. And they really don't. Steve and Tony think each other are brilliant. They really back each other up and they defend each other even when they're not together. So don't be scared off by what fandom can sometimes take away from it. Because I don't think it gets a fair sort of go of it. Yeah, I think it's really worth a try. You at least should dip your toe in with Ultimates 1 and see if it's something that you like. The recommendation we give to people on the server is if you can push past Ultimatum, read sort of Armor Wars, which is Ferret's favourite, oh, and the Red Skull Run, which is my favourite. That's where most people really fall in love with Alts because it's where they go from sort of being introduced to them to just finding out how funny they are as their own people. And Steve's such a bitch, it's great. <laughs> oh, and in Armor Wars, Tony's just like, oh, he's just so ready to fall in love. It always works out so badly for him. 
Yeah, t- Armor Wars Tony is sad all the time. And he's so sad. He's so beautiful. Red Skull runs, runs around pissing everyone off. He's so angry. It's great. He's so angry. There's so much. There's so much room for fic here. I don't know about you, listeners, but they've uh, they've sold me. So you convinced? If, if they've sold you guys, make sure to comment on the episode here. Find it, us in our server. Find Sap and Ferret in theirs. And let us know how you feel about alt. Sap and Ferret, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Thank you for inviting me to talk about this. Today on The Plug, we are going to dive into one of my very favorite fics and Additionally, one of my very favorite Ultimates fix because Ultimates is what we're here for today. Um, but even if it weren't one of my very favorite Ultimates fix, it would still be one of my very favorite fix because it's just that good. The fic is called Never Too Late for Love and it's by Cineala. And this fic is, it's a Soulmates, canon-based Soulmates AU. So it sticks to Ult's canon, which is the first thing I wanted to mention about this fic. It really sticks to Ult's canon. And I think that Sign does a really wonderful job, and Flame can speak to this from her perspective of not knowing Ult's canon so much. She does a really wonderful job of giving you just enough that it feels explained and it feels like part of the story. So if you don't know Ult's canon, you'll just be like, oh, this is just part of the story. But if you do know Ult's canon, almost everything that happens in the story outside of the Stony relationship is either born from canon or directly, directly canon. And it's amazing how well it meshes together and how seamless it all is and how well we get the Stony relationship evolving out of what's already there. But I also feel like there are areas where it's just alts plus. You get the alt story and then so much more. Like the beginning is set in the 1940s and it starts before Steve gets the serum. And it sets it up so well and it gets you really wholeheartedly invested in that part of his life. So even though you know it's getting ripped away when it does, oh, that's the first punch. And then the punches just keep coming. (laughs) Yeah, this is one of the hurtiest hurt comforts I've read. And that's perfect in my mind because one of the reasons why I like Ult so much is it's the perfect breeding ground for hurt comfort. And everybody knows how much I adore hurt comfort. And both Steve and Tony have so much hurt potential and they're both so thirsty for comfort that it just, you can just lean into that so hard and sign really did here in this fic you get like the overarching hurt comfort for both of them. You get all these little shorter moments embedded in of hurt and comfort for both of them as well. It's just, you know, it's what I love best. (laughs) Yeah. I think if people handed me like five or six fix and said, pick one that ferret would love, like anything (laughs) with this plot is going to be, is going to be that. So a couple things, definitely, like I have alt plot questions, I guess, okay. on this, because I, like, that was one of my questions for you was how much of this comes from canon. Yeah. Um, particularly the Nat storyline, does that come from canon? <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. Yes, that is extremely okay. canon. Ooh, okay. I have, I have not finished alts. Um, so that's interesting. I don't, uh, spoilers are fine for me. I don't, yeah. I don't like I wouldn't have said but, if I didn't know you were fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
the I'm trying to find the words to express quite how much this made me feel. The only time I was taken out of the story and to where I was like, oh my gosh, this is comic and I don't know where I am was the first time um, Hank showed up and he was 50 feet tall and naked. Uh, Yes, that's straight out of the comic. Steve busts out of the hospital and jumps out a window in a display of his most favorite activity of auto defenestration and runs around in a hospital gown with his butt sticking out for a while. And then Hank goes giant and squashes him, literally just squashes him with his hand. <laughs> and that's how ult starts. <laughs> like I sat there, I was like, oh yeah, I'm in ults. Okay, got it. Here All we right, go. Here we go. <laughs> um, and I mean, I read so many AUs that like there's times the only way I can tell the difference between MCU and something else is the other characters. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I knew I was in ults because of Gale, but in that particular way, it was like, oh my God. Um, So as a non-ults person, let me tell you, after I got over that hiccup, nothing felt weird. Everything was earned within the story. Right. It wasn't, I mean, besides the 50 foot naked man, it wasn't um, done. Now, the only thing for that is a little bit of the Jan Hank storyline that I knew better from other fix. Like that one felt a little like, I don't know what to do with this if I didn't have yeah. the back cannon. Um, that's a little glossed over. That's a little glossed over. And I have read other ults fix, mostly Ferret and Saps, but I've read other ults fix. And so I knew about Hank and Jan. Um, so that's a little bit like, oh, what is going on? Why is she, why is she such a bitch? Like, <laughs> yeah, welcome to ults. Um, I actually, listeners, I DM'd Ferret in the middle of this fic as I was reading it and was like, Jan, he doesn't know the sexual lingo. He's <laughs> okay, you cow. I um, think this actually like, it does a great job of using how much of a bitch Jan is in alts. Like she treats Steve badly and they're together for a while in the comics. And she's not nice and she's not a nice person. Very few people in alts are nice people, but she has her moments of niceness are rarer than other people's. And she does not like that Steve's actually old. And she does not like that he doesn't know how to be hip and cool. And I think that Sign used that aspect of her as a really great way to set up what is the probably the most emotionally impactful part of the whole story and that's Steve's arc of his confidence both in what he wants and who he is and what he's looking for and having Jan be his first modern romantic experience really sets up um, it really sets up what he what he's gonna face within himself by challenging all of the insecurities he already has. So I know that you gave me a home is 616. It's not alts. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the narrative arc of this, while Tony did not give Steve a home in this, Tony created a space emotionally where Steve could learn to wrestle in his own skin safely. Yeah. And he is the refuge in this world. And he is the, which I'm sure is part of the attraction in alts in, in totality. Yeah. But I think what I said to you about um, on Discord when we were chatting about this that got me about this fic was that I have never felt the tension of his two centuries so strongly in anything else I've ever read. 
Like she just parks there. And I am so grateful she did. Um, I don't think I have the talent to write this kind of, this kind of Steve. Yeah. So I'm really, really glad she does. And she did because this exploration of like, without the internalized homophobia, like this is the stuff of Steve I want explored all the time. Yeah. Even, even if you took out the, as you said, the the internalized homophobia and all of his like concerns about being with Tony and all of that, we start in the past, we get to see the life that he starts out with and what he builds and how he gets where he ends up. And we build an affection for that part of his life. And then we are cut forward just as quickly, even though we know it's coming, he doesn't know it's coming, but he, yeah, like you say, he just lives in that space the whole time. And even by the end, it's not like he's comfortable in the 2000s. He's just managed to claw out a space for him that is Tony, but you, we never feel like, you know, in just a year, year and a half or however too much time it spans. It's not like we're like, oh, and now he's over it. Cause I don't think that's something you ever get over. Yeah. The way that this Steve is built, he is not going to get Twitter. No. And that's very alts. Like I think that one of the primary differences between MCU Steve and alt Steve. And one of the things I'm really attracted to is this, feeling like MCU Steve gives you the impression that he's going to figure Twitter out eventually. And it's more cute or funny, the things that he struggles with. And especially with them cutting those bits of him, like on the train and stuff um, from Avengers, even if you add those things back in, I still just don't think that MCU struggles with culture shock and the PTSD of the time loss as much as alt Steve does in the first issue or the first, I think it's in the first issue, first couple of issues. I read it all as a book, so I don't know. Um, But very early on, you see Steve crying. He cries about Bucky and Gale. He cries at the cemetery for the people he's lost. And he has a lot of internalized anger and a lot of frustration. And you just get the sense that it is never going to be easy for him to live in 2001. It's just never going to be easy. And everything comfortable that he's found for himself has been really fucking hard work. And this fic shows just how much, a hundred thousand words of hard work it took him to find even the smallest amount of comfort. And I, I don't want to make that sound like it has a really sad ending or anything. Oh it's- God, no, the ending, like I famously don't cry. The ending made me cry. It was so beautiful and so hopeful and so lovely. Yeah, I even cried on my skim reread. <laughs> the yeah. first time I read this fic, I started it before I was due to go to a party. And then I went to the party and I sat in a chair at the party in another room and read the whole rest of the fic and ignored everybody else. And then when it was over, I was like, I'm going home because <laughs> I need to sit and think about my feelings. <laughs> That might be the most ferret story you've ever told me. <laughs> People were like, what are you reading? And I was like, fuck off right now. Like I came with my husband because he wanted to go to this party. But if it had just been me, I would have stayed home to read this because I'm not interested in talking to anyone right now. I'm reading this story on my phone. So, yeah, 100% on brand. Yep, that's 100% yeah. on brand. Yeah. It's okay. I read fic in toilets at clubs when I lived in Europe because I absolutely hate clubbing. My friends oh, dragged yeah. me to them. And that. so I just, I did extended, extended trips to the bathroom. I'm sure they absolutely thought something was wrong with me. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been there. Um, I've, taken, I've taken a few like uh, 
family gathering breaks where I was like, I'm just going to read something short here on the edge of the tub for a moment. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, this one just, it just will not let you go. It grabs you and it will not let you go. And it stays, the pace stays hot even for how long it is. The chapters get longer as you go along, <laughs> uh, but you're still gobbling it up. And that, you know, that feeling, we've talked about it before, not everybody gets it, but I think you and I both get it, that like tingling in your chest and upper arms when like the emotional thing is happening and you're just like, oh God, it's here. Yep. Uh, this fic has like a solid 25K of tingle. Like I was just in physical, I was feeling the fic physically through most of the last couple chapters and they are long chapters. And to kind of put it in, like, I know we all talk about like lengths of word count in AO3 and that's how we measure fix, but I still think in books sometimes too. Yeah. So like 96K, which is what this thing is, is around 325 pages. It's a hefty book. So that's a, ro like, that's a trade romance novel. Like mm -hmm. that's what Avon, Avon's, Avon is the leading publisher of Regency romance and most of their trade paperbacks are 384 pages. There you go. So to give you an, to give you, I guess, a bit of flailing over, uh, over signs, incredible skill. This is a, a, a trade paperback length published fic that hangs together perfectly is arced beautifully. Um, and what I really appreciate about it too, is that it never shied away from the harder bits of Steve's life. Yeah. Especially about the sex. Um, I really appreciate that she included the confession scene because I think that that would have been one of the touchstones. And actually my favorite line in the whole fic was when Steve realized that he was given absolute in English and not in Latin. Yeah. Because like, it was that, like, that was one of the small moments where I was like, Jesus, hell, of course he skipped Vatican too. Oh my God, that poor kid. Like, yeah, the, the little attention to detail and that may have been an ult and I'm giving her too much credit but I'm still going to give her credit no no that's fine um the attention to detail of how much she loves this character and wanted to tell us his story was so honoring to him and to the rest of us um who also love him that it just like it would be, if I was reviewing this as a romance novel, I would call it a page turner. Like I couldn't put this thing down. And it was so, it was, yeah, like you used the word arresting. Like I don't love hurt comfort the way that you do, but oh Christ on a bike. <laughs> this is, this is the hurtiest hurt, comfortiest comfort. And in the hands of lesser author, the resolution would have been cheap. And instead it was so earned and so perfect that I hugged my phone to my chest. <laughs> I was done. Um, and I loved this. I want to talk a bit about Steve's sense of confidence because I noticed some interesting things that I kind of, I think set up the pitch and then whack it really impressively. In the beginning, um, we see that Steve lacks confidence with Gail, who he's attracted to and interested in. And it's when 
I found it was really interesting that it's when he gets promised that he's going to have the serum and he's going to be physically perfect in his words that he finds the confidence to ask Gail on a date and she is totally happy to go with him. She wants to, she doesn't know that this is going to happen. She's into him, but he doesn't have the confidence to pursue her at all until he has this promise. It's not like he goes off, gets fixed, and then is like, oh, I'll come back and get Gail. He runs into her while he's still limping and he's still string bean and he's still weak and sick and in pain and asks her out just because he's feeling so good about his potential future. And this idea of that, so, so Steve lacks the confidence to talk to, to, to pursue her before that. And the, one of the like cornerstones of his character in this is that he is so, and this is so alt, is that he's so about how he can serve people and how he can be useful and how he can be desired by other people so that he feels his benefit to someone else is what he can provide them. And he has very, I want to say materialistic, but I can't think of quite the right word. His self is never going to be enough for somebody else. It's not like somebody would ever just love him for being him and then that would bring them pleasure or comfort or happiness. He has to be able to provide something that a partner wants. And in his mind, that's, he, you know, in that moment, he's like, oh, I'll be healthy, I'll be attractive, and then I'll be what she wants. And the promise of that is enough to give him the drive to do it because he knows he will have something to offer her someday. And he, then we see that, like, we see the blow when he's not able to please her sexually, but he's also, he has this idea that he has the future potential to get good at it. So, you know, it doesn't completely gut him. But then when he's faced with, when we, he's faced with Jan in the future, she makes it clear what she's interested in from him. And those clear guidelines of her being like, I want you, this is what I want. I find you physically attractive. I want to have sex with you. That allows him to, to do that. And he's just not confident, but eventually that gives him the, you know, he's like, oh, I can be good for her. That is what makes it okay. But he's so completely sure that he can't be what Tony wants because he's so uncomfortable with the part of him that wants Tony that it completely blocks him from being able to give Tony anything at all even you know a, a more comfortable man would be like okay i'm not gay but let's be friends and they could still spend time together comfort each other even share touch in a platonic way but steve so rejects the possibility that he can be what tony wants that he just can't he can't engage with it at all and i think that exploration of this arc of like what does he think he offers to someone else and how that relates to his confidence in pursuing people just blows my mind. I love it. Yeah. He sees himself as useful fundamentally. Yeah. And if he can't be useful, then he's not like, you're right. Materialistic is the wrong word. Um, but I know what you were trying to say. Like it really, <laughs> it's, it, he's ultimately pragmatic about his own body. Like if his body cannot help someone else, it doesn't serve a purpose. Yeah. which is why it was so useless for most of his life. 
The other thing I'll say too is as an MCU person, I was shocked at the length of time the serum took. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not gone into great detail in ults. Um, so that was expanded on by sign, but. Okay. I was like, oh my God, it's multiple surgeries. What? Yeah. I can't remember exactly. I'd have to dig up the panels. There's only a couple of panels about it, but um, he is in ults. First of all, he's not, the, he's not MCU Steve. He's not tiny. He's tall and um, gangly and he has a limp. He walks with a cane and he's unwell, but he's, he's sort of the string bean style, Steve. Uh, but yeah, it's much more of a, it's much less of a magic button than MCU is and much more of a process in alts, or at least it's heavily implied that that's the case. Yeah. And so for me, that adds a whole other dimension of the martyrdom of Steve Rogers is like we've talked, what he talked about in his birthday episode to me, his, his self-flagellating martyrdom is one of, is when he leans into the worst parts of himself. Mm. And that's like, so of course he'll go through obscenely painful procedures in the hopes that at the end of this, he might prove useful. Like he is the, he is the fucking Donna Moss of Marvel. And like, (laughs) it's, it's just, it's so achingly human. It's yeah. I just, yeah, and there's like, even if you look at that, it's when you look at his mindset surrounding the serum in the fic, he's only ever positive and excited about it. He never worries it's going to kill him, even though they say 50 plus other people have tried this before you without success. <laughs> and you must assume that something very bad happened to them if they're, they're not around. And yet he never has any doubt. He's like, this is going to work because if it, because he's not useful. So there's no point in existing if he can't do this. And it doesn't occur to him at that point that if he, if it kills him, he will leave Gale without him. It doesn't spring to his mind. And then after the serum, when he does think he, when he thinks again, he could die because uh, the bomb and everything that ends up with him getting frozen. That's when he thinks, I'm sorry, Gail. That's when he's sad that he would be leaving her without a partner. But again, I know their relationship isn't as developed at the point when he, uh, he goes to get the serum, but they're dating and it never crosses his mind because to him, it's like, oh, well, if he died, she'd probably be better off because it's either he gets better or he's pointless to exist. But he, he never articulates it that way. No. And I don't want to say that when he did the, like when he did the bomb that like he didn't really love her, but because I think as much as Steve, as the Steve Rogers who, who performed that act could love somebody, I think he loved Gail, but yeah, he was so caught up in who he would be for her. Like she'd be on Prozac by the sixties. Like <laughs> she'd be, she'd be miserable because he would still be trying to prove her because he hadn't he hadn't done it and i think one of the cool things in this particular fic is that because of the soulmate thing sign was really able to play with that tension yeah he physically couldn't leave tony no matter how much he he wanted to and tony just kept looking at him being like you're not like useful is not what i'm looking for here yeah present i just need you to be i actually like i have everything i need what i don't have everything i want and that's a whole different ball game for, for Steve. And that the soulmate edition is what really lets us play with that. Um, and their disgust and anger at each other. Um, 
that as they kind of went over and I mean like the Steve is the POV of this whole thing so I can only guess what Tony felt at certain times uh I also loved like some of the little details of like the gloves and how Steve kept noticing the gloves and what that all meant and some things like that but I will say like if anyone ever wanted to do a remix of this and sign was okay with it I would love Tony's perspective on this whole thing yeah uh, it's it's great because with the telepathy you get you get all these like teasing views of what he's thinking that reveal so much about his arc as well. But you know, there's still definitely a hundred thousand words of Tony. I would love to read. <laughs> oh my God. There is so much, there is so much Tony and Tony growing up and Tony finding out he has cancer. And mm. I also wanted to mention back with like, before we move on the, um, I think that what's, what the crux of the thing for me is that when we're talking about like Steve being useful and not understanding that he could just be wanted, like he just has to exist and be wanted. And if he's there, then that he's satisfying somebody else's wants is that Tony doesn't just like, yes, on the surface, Steve categorizes it as Tony testing his sexuality and confronting his internalized homophobia. And that's a thing. And if you just read the fic lightly and don't really think about it, you might say, oh, this is a fic about Steve getting his internalized homophobia challenged by being soulmates with a man. But what it is actually challenging isn't that. That's how he's turned, that's how he twists it in his mind. What it's actually challenging is the concept that he could be worth wanting and that somebody would want him for more than just the stock checklist that he's always been told people should do. I think that having that matching with anybody who challenged him in that way would be would be difficult for him but but by having Tony be a man he is able to turn it into a homophobia thing in his head and it isn't until he he really sits down with it and realizes that the actual hang up he has is about desire that he's able to push through it. And so you see him slam against the concrete wall of his internalized homophobia for so long before he finally sees the other side of it and realizes that that, that isn't actually quite what he's up against. And that like, that development just, yeah, I have feelings. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love that so much of Tony's appreciation of Steve it's very clear is for his is for his body for sure you can't get around that um but also that Tony's attraction to Steve is the entire package yeah um and because of the 40s it's not like Gail could have ever articulated that um and there's just also some like really as somebody who studies gender and sex like some really interesting like if 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 this was if Steve was was bisexual and was having female conversations and was losing his virginity in the 21st century, it would look a lot different. And just for all of these reasons. And so the conversations around bodies and pleasure and happiness and what that all meant in the public conversation in the forties versus in the aughts. Yeah. was also a really fascinating juxtaposition for me. Um, yeah, and I can't imagine looking at Bucky and being and him being ninety. So that was like a <laughs> whoa. Um, yeah, if you're if you're a Stuckoni fan who's also into alts, you've already you've already had to go through that whole process. <laughs> Let that yeah, one. Yeah, I don't. I, ooh, 
Oh, that's a hard, like, I'm it's a different one. Bucky. It's a totally different Bucky. You just have to go into it accepting that this is not the same Bucky. If you're an MCU fan, this is a different Bucky. Different Bucky. Um, it's okay. We have 49 versions of each of these characters. It's beautiful, but this is yeah. not the Bucky that has Alpine. That's all that matters. No. Um, and him and Gail are really lovely, actually. They're some of my favorite side characters in anything. Yeah. And uh, like I, from the fix, I mean, I like that I've read, I really like them. And I like that there's still the, like Steve needs both a friend and a parent yeah. in the conversations he has with Bucky and Bucky can kind of bridge that gap a little bit um, in a way that's really fascinating. So no, summary from Flame, the Alts novice <laughs> is that this is absolutely one worth reading. And I think a decent introduction to Alts because if you don't like Hurt Comfort, you're not going to like Olds. So this is, <laughs> this is a good, this is a good, I mean, 96K is like one hell of a starter fic, but it's not a shabby way because you kind of get it all, uh, including a couple of the storylines that made my eyebrows raise. So. Yeah, I think actually it's a great point that while this is a big fic, it's also a big fic that uh, you will enjoy if you like soulmates and you like her comfort and you like, you know, internalized homophobia or struggling with the, the desire and all of that, then you'll like that part. And it gives you enough of a taste of what Ults is like, because I tell you now, most of the stuff that happens in the fic, most of the stuff that isn't about the relationships, but about the like various plot things and missions and stuff like that, most of that is entirely based in canon. So if you read it and you're like, well, I really like the soulmates part, but the 50 foot naked guy was a bit hard to stomach, then alts may not be for you. But if you read it and then you you think, oh, you know what? I could I could maybe get into these. I want to see Jan be kind of nasty and I want to know what happens with the Hulk and all that. Then you can go read the comics and you'll be delighted to find that you actually know a lot of what's going to happen. So I think it'll give you a place to feel sort of comfortable with grounding yourself in canon for the first couple of runs. So a huge thank you to Sign for writing this. I can't imagine what a labor of love this was. Uh, so thank you for your service to fandom and to our lives personally. Obviously the link will be in the show notes. And if you've got thoughts on this fic, as always, we want to hear them. Head to our Discord or any of our socials and let us know your feels uh, about this or any other alts fic. of really interesting conversations about internet privacy on the discord server since the last episode both from personal experience and hypothetical ideas a few of our listeners shared some pretty painful stories about times when fandom and offline life intersected in a bad way and we're not going to share them here on the pod but we wanted you all to know that our server is absolutely a place to talk through those issues we all have them either in small or large ways and we all kind of deal with how do those two worlds intersect. So we're very good listening ears on that little server and we'd love to uh, help you process through if you've got stuff to share. But honestly, Farrah and I are also honored that you trust us and each other enough to have those conversations. So please know that like we, we were not particularly active over the last little bit because of MTH, <laughs> but we saw and we honor those uh, stories. 
We didn't mean to be Debbie Downer's last episode, but a lot of you seemed grateful that we did a bit of a reality check on that. Maybe shared some information some of you weren't aware of or gave you a new perspective on things. So you're welcome. <laughs> we serve so many purposes here at Pod on the Suit. Joy givers, joy killers. <laughs> Whatever you need us to be. <laughs> Uh, remember too, as more of you catch up on the episodes now, that we are now on all the podcast apps, Spotify, do, do, iTunes, do, do, do. Stitcher, Google, you can search for us and find us on all these wonderful places. So if you love us, feel absolutely free to leave a glowing rating or review. It doesn't just make us feel fuzzy inside, which is always great, but it also helps other people find the pod because it bumps it up the algorithms. So uh, yeah, check us out there. And let me say too, if you're looking for pod on the suit and getting really frustrated because the like every podcast on the planet seems to have the word pod in it, yes. um, we will promise you that nobody else is named Flame and Ferret. Yes, if so you just search for Flame Ferret, for sure that gets us on Spotify and I think it helps you find us on the other places too. So, but you can find the links to those things um, on our website and I'll make sure to put them in the show notes for this episode in particular. And then we put them on Tumblr and yeah, just have fun folks. We're glad we are in your ear holes in more ways. If there's one that we're missing that's super important to you, we can't promise we'll be able to add it, but let us know. And also for anyone who wants to chat about these specific topics as you're listening to say the episode on AUs where I got to talk to Blade, then our catch-up club is running again with a slightly new format thanks to the fabulous, utterly fabulous Mrs. Maudie Bear, as she calls herself now. <laughs> so head over to the Ketchup Club channel if you're interested. We'll be asking smaller questions to hopefully generate a little bit more discussion. We heard from some of you that our block of questions was a little bit intimidating. So we took that feedback and we've reformatted and we're hoping to get everybody caught up in the next month while Fair and I take a bit of a recording break. Yay. Now, fear not friends. We are not taking a fandom break. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the reason that we are taking a recording break is because of Marvel Trump's hate, which kicked off pretty much today um, as you are listening to this in terms of the public participation bits, the preview week and eventually the auction. Um, and I am part of the mod team, but compared to Ferret, I do very little to be completely honest. So we're gonna give all three Ferrets a little bit of a break. <laughs> Thank you. From pod life so that they can focus on raising money for amazing causes. We need all six paws on deck here, guys. So um, that's what's going to be happening for the next month is we're going to be away. Don't we said it. We're going to say it later. And I think we've said it on socials and things, but don't mute us. Mute the server. We'll still be around the server. There's going to be polls and activity and things like that. And certainly keep an eye on your feeds in case we are feeling generous and drop some surprises. Mm -hmm. But we will see you when we're back at the end of November. We will be celebrating Thanksgiving. Uh, we should be celebrating that this week. In fact, today and tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Oh, Canadians. We really should coordinate this better because the thing we have on Monday is dumb. <laughs> you guys want two Thanksgivings? <laughs> I used to have two Thanksgivings back when I visited my American family. <laughs> oh, I'll take two Thanksgivings. The more stovetop stuffing I can have in my life, the literal better. No complaints here. Well, you should 100% do that tomorrow instead of whatever weird holiday you guys have. Oh, it's just the celebration of colonialism. So oh, although Thanksgiving kind of is too. I'll just do it with stuffing this time. Well, our Thanksgiving is entirely an autumn harvest festival. So you can celebrate squashes instead. I like it. We're celebrating squashes instead of colonialism. I'm here for it. 
So when we're back, we'll be celebrating American Thanksgiving with a whole episode on thankfulness. So you can start feeling thankful now during Canadian Thanksgiving. And by the time American Thanksgiving, the subpar Thanksgiving rolls around, you'll be ready to celebrate. We'll be channeling the cheesiest primary school vibes in our celebration. Think those turkeys made out of your hand that you trace on construction paper. If anyone wants to make one of those, please do. So here's where you come in. So Farrah and I are absolutely going to be doing this too, don't worry, but y'all kind of know what we're thankful for already, I'd imagine. We talk about it a lot. So please, 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 please jump on in and participate here. And there's a few ways you can do it. So the one of, these are not in like order of priority. They are in order of how fast they flew out of my fingers. So first you can head to Discord where we will be creating a thankfulness depot channel. And in there, you can talk about what you're grateful for, give us links to the fan works that you are most grateful for, tag anyone who is in the server and talk about why you're grateful for them. This will make Fair deeply uncomfortable, so make sure to do it to her as often as possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, there are definitely people on the server who would not love that. So if you know that they wouldn't, perhaps another way down the line is a way to do that. But if you're someone like me and you really love being told you're pretty, feel free to at me. Um, but just generally that channel is going to be a celebration of essentially in a real way, like why we love fandom and just a really focus on the, we are all grateful for it in our lives. I know we are, but as you celebrate Thanksgiving, if you are someone who does talking about superheroes falling in love may not be something you can share at your Thanksgiving table when you go around the room and say what you're thankful for. So we're creating a room for you to say what you're thankful for. Second, you can respond to the questions on Tumblr that we will be peppering throughout the month, um, which will have to do with thankfulness and fan works and creation and all of that stuff. We'll be posting some of those questions on as polls on Twitter as well. So if you don't follow us in both places, you should. Absolutely. And third, you can send us anonymous thankful vibes. Just let us know what you are grateful for, what you're thankful for, what you love about fandom to our Anon Fandom Feeling submission form. This is great if you want to talk about a creator you maybe don't know well or isn't in the Discord server, or if you feel shy about being outwardly grateful. We just want to hear from you, and that gives you a place to do it without your name attached. Fourth, you can create a fan work as a gift back to the community. A Drabble, a mood board, a sketch, a full-fledged work. Add us on Tumblr or Twitter, and we will share the crap out of it everywhere we can. We will also link it in the show notes of the next episode. And please, this is not like you need to create an autumnal fic, although feel free. I love a good autumnal fic. This is a great time, by the way, if you would like to create something specifically for Ferret to create something with clothes sharing. <laughs> Ooh. Um, and, and like sweatshirt sharing seems to be a thing for her, just a little pro tip. Um, and if you want to make something for Flame, you could write something about glory holes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a different vibe. I really <laughs> am grateful for them in fic. Maybe not in real life, but totally in fic. Anyway. They can be anything. They can be dedicated to people. They can be dedicated to the community. They can be dedicated to a particular server you are on. If you would like to write a Loki Tony fic, I know the Loki Tony, the Frost Iron server is lovely and welcoming and always want more work. So you could dedicate it to that small, the, the, the subsect of the community. Anything goes. If you want to write a lifeguard fic or a creature fic, or you want to draw Tony in a turkey costume. Oh, someone please do that. Speaking of that, we maybe don't have a cover artist set for that episode either. So anyone who wants to create something gratefully or inspired by gratitude or Thanksgiving in any way, you remember that you can always uh, submit your work for cover art to us on our cover art 
submission form on the website and we will link that in the show notes too. And we would love to feature you. And as always, you can get in touch with us on email, Tumblr, Twitter, Discord, Carrier Pigeon, Pony Express to tell us personally what you are grateful for. Please send me a pigeon. Please, please send her a pigeon. I want a video of your carrier of their carrier pigeons landing for Frisk. Can I ask for that? Oh, she'd be so excited. Yeah, uh, if, if it happens, obviously I will film it for you. I, I, I love it. Uh, I will be at peak cheese in the next episode, <laughs> and I am sure that Ferret will be exceptionally uncomfortable. So it'll be a really <laughs> good time for all of us. Make sure to tune in. are very excited today to talk about our very last segment of this run of life of an event which was for the Stuckoni summer stocking because the event is now over yay, yay! <laughs> first of all an absolutely enormous thank you to everybody who participated i can't even begin to say how positive this was and how wonderful and giving everybody was and how much fun it was we ended up with 44 stockings, which turned into 90 works in 10 different fandoms. And it was just, overall, it was just such a positive experience. We actually, as we said in our last episode, we had launched at the same time our Steve Tony Bucky Discord server. And the, um, the event sort of was celebrated in that server. We had a channel for server events and we used that channel to talk about the stockings and a fair number of people from the event showed up and people were thanking each other for their works and people were live blogging the ones that they loved and people were talking about which ones they'd read or looked at and which ones they hadn't and people were sharing treats. And uh, it was a really wonderful party and the party went on on Tumblr as well. And we also know that there were lots of people who aren't on Discord or aren't on Tumblr who were reading and kudosing and wrecking and bookmarking and commenting on these 90 amazing Stuckoni pieces that, um, that we had were given. And uh, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And my fav one of my favorite parts that I wasn't anticipating being a favorite part was watching all of you try to guess who wrote what. That was fun. And people it were was... really engaged with it. Sometimes it's hit or miss. Some people are too shy. But uh, especially on the Discord server, people were guessing. And uh, some people were unfairly good at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it was like, wasn't HT like have like a 90% success rate? Yeah. I'm calling out HT specifically because I think she guessed every single one of my seven works. Yeah, but by the way, all of you just watch next time, Ferret and I are going to swap spellings and none of you are going to understand. <laughs> -ha 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 -ha. That's the plan. It was interesting to listen to everybody say like, this is a tick of this person or this person never uses this word. Um, and not just about me and Ferret, but about all the rest of you too. Um, it was really, we do these events to build community and, and that was a great community build. Um, and so we're really, we're even tossing around the idea of some sort of event where the uh, intention is to not be able to guess each other. So like you cloak your writing fic, if that's something you guys would be interested in, let us know. We have no plans beyond the tossing um, ideas around, but like we had so much fun watching everybody guess. We, we would like to capture that fun somehow. So we're yeah, still queuing yeah. on ideas. We're thinking about that. Um, we did determine that while some people did do treats and the people who got treats were excited about it and um, like it, it wasn't a negative thing, it, it didn't 
garner a huge amount of engagement. Not very many people did treats. And so I think probably for the amount of work and also confusion it created in the first place that it probably wasn't worth it to do treats. And so this experiment, the result was that next time we probably will just leave treats out of the event entirely. Yeah, and the the week in between reveal like work reveals and author reveals will be focused on guessing rather than creating treats. Yeah, so we might do more promotion for the guessing, more places where you can guess, try and drum that up a bit because everyone had a lot of fun with that. And I think that fun was more fun than the treats fun, especially since I think people were tired from doing all of the stockings. And so they just kind of were like, oh, it's done. And then people didn't go back and look through the list or maybe they didn't even understand what the treats were for. If you feel really strongly about the treats one way or another, you can let us know because all data is good data. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say 100% because you don't know what next year is going to look like, but it's certainly on our to-do list to consider running this event again next year. But before we do that, we are going to be continuing this segment here on the pod because we're running another event. Yay. <laughs> so as we with, do, as we do with this one, we have help, which is very, very exciting. Yay. Um, so we are presenting drum roll, please. <laughs> Steve, Tony, Bucky, bingo. Yay! Yay. With the great help of Mrs. Mati bear. Um, we, the Steve, Tony, Bucky bingo is a four way ship bingo. Stuckoni, Winter Iron, Stony, and Stucky. You can cross post. There is no minimum, stuff like that. We have all those event, all of those details on the Tumblr, which we will, or we will be in the next little bit. Uh, yeah, not quite up yet because this isn't us launching the event on the pod. This is us launching life of an event. So this is your pre-event life of an event <laughs> discussion where we talk about what we're going to do, but haven't yet done. <laughs> Yeah, so the event doesn't open until November 1st. And as we are dropping this, it is in fact, October 11th. So uh, for anyone who's not listening, you know, uh, synchronously, but we're very excited about this event because we think it fills a couple different event holes within fandom Mm -hmm. that we're excited about promoting. So this all started entirely because Ferret and I love bingos. We do. And we love Stuckoni. We do. And we would like more Stuckoni content. We would. But we would not like to limit anyone if a prompt drives them to one of the three subships. Exactly. Because we also love all three of these walnuts in whatever arrangement they come in. So the goal of the bingo is to give people a place where we are going to be generating more content for this set of ships. So it is limited in that regard, but within that set you can get into whatever subset you want you can play with their relationship it doesn't have to be stick only happy ending doesn't have to be happy ending at all in fact one of the things that we are doing is dividing up the tropes into um, separate categories so the prompts will be sort of generic basic prompts which will range from very fluffy to mildly angsty and then we also have a dark prompt selection uh, which ranges from dark to very dark and a kinks section, which is all naughty stuff, and a characters section. So when you fill out the form, you'll be able to pick which, any combination of those four lists that you want included on your card. And we're hoping that the separation of the dark prompts, we don't want it to sound like 
um, we think that they should be separated out. The point was actually that we find that most bingo cards don't include very, very dark prompts because so many people put them on their do not wants and it makes it harder for them to filter them out or make sure people aren't getting stuff that they would find upsetting to try and create for. So we are actually making it so that by opting into dark prompts, you could even select only dark prompts as the list that you get. So by opting into dark prompts and having that as a choice, it gives us the opportunity to go really dark on the dark prompts and some of the angst weasels who really like writing some deep, deep, dark, scary or horrific things. I um, will have that opportunity to do that encouraged by the bingo card. Yeah, which leads us to some other decisions that that kind of like that decision led us to make. So one of the reasons that there are often, I think, this is just my theory, guys, more kind of fluff or general centered events is that a lot of events do approvals. And if you are somebody who doesn't like reading dark fic, you don't want to read dark fic to do approvals. It's just mm -hmm. a valid thing, to be completely honest. So you're hesitant to offer participation for major character death when you know as a mod yourself you're going to have to read it and that's something you enjoy and people have limits and triggers and all that kind of stuff and so because we wanted to um and i will say this is very much on the back of the steve tony games and the interaction that ferret and i had with folks specifically the angst weasels in that event you guys repeatedly said to us that and not like condescendingly or rudely but just that a lot of events were not explicitly angst welcoming yeah. And we heard that and we were like, okay, great. Let's create an event that is explicitly angst welcoming, explicitly welcoming to unhappy endings, explicitly welcoming to major character death and non-con and all of the other kind of stuff within that, that bucket. Um, and so because of that, to be completely honest, we don't want to limit you by what we'd prefer to read. Yeah. And so there are not going to be some of the other like, hallmarks of some other events we're not going to be doing roundups we are not double checking if you if you are valid on your badge you're going to submit a badge claim form and we're going to trust you yeah if you if you if you claim a badge that you didn't earn that's just a guilt and suffering you're going to have to live with yourself but we, we won't lose any sleep at night the the, ba the badges are free <laughs> yeah. you are getting a digital sticker um and we're not going to lose sleep over whether or not you earned it or not um, if you, there is no, like I said before, there's no minimum. If you, we just want you to create work and tag your shit. That's it. Yep. For these ships in some way, shape or form, we'd ask you to tag it appropriately. If you don't tag it appropriately, we, that is something we, we will potentially be talking to you about, but like, just don't, I mean, follow our rule of fandom. Do first do no harm and then do you. Yeah, and from a mod perspective on that front, we won't be checking to make sure that people have tagged things appropriately, but if anyone were to come to us and say, hey, this was posted in your collection, but it didn't tag for major character death and there's major character death in it, we will have people's email contacts and we'll be able to go to them and say, I think you missed this tag on, on your fic. Uh, and that, you know, by making it a report-based situation, that means we don't have to engage with every single thing that's posted. So if you're saying, oh, I really want to write this really, really, really dark thing, but I know that Flame and Ferret would hate it, fan fantastic. <laughs> Post it and enjoy. We don't, we, this event is not for us, it is for y'all. So we've started the prompts lists. That's something that we've prepped already. 
Um, obviously there's kind of the sky's the limit on prompts. So we're just going to keep adding to those as we go. I think we're uh, at a thousand now. Yeah. We need to decide as a team, if we're going to be posting the prompt list publicly, or if it's going to be a secret flame has made the card layout, but we may still fuss with that. Who knows? But one decision that we did make when we decided to, how we were going to design the cards themselves was that we were going to put the schedule right on the card. So if all people ended up saving was the card itself, they'd still know when they had to post by. Mm -hmm. um, we have our mod team. It's the three of us. Uh, we're also the mod team for the STB discord server. And we will be using the server a lot to promote the event and engage people with the event and share stuff about the event. So just like with the stockings, there's gonna be a correlation there. But even though our server is 18 plus, we are opening the bingo up to all ages as long as people do the things they need to do to keep themselves in the appropriate categories. Which means you don't need to be in the server to do the bingo. We had to ask about that on Tumblr already. Yeah. It is just a place where if you are somebody who likes to create within community, the server is the space we are providing to do that. Yeah. If you are not a Discord person or that's not a value to you, Mazel, you'll have everything you need to know on the Tumblr. So we still have a couple weeks until signups open and there are still some things we need to do or think about or plan. One is that we do intend to do badges, as we said. So we need to make full list of badges and get the artwork ready for those. Um, they won't be needed right away, but... Uh, most bingos tend to give out badges as they go. And part of that is because you don't want to have to do them all at once. So we'll get those underway. Um, I am building a spreadsheet that's going to use whatever people mention on their prompt list selections out of those four lists we have to make the cards. Um, and there are programs that will do this for you. And I might even look into those. And if they're much easier than making the sheet, we may end up using one of those. If I do make a sheet and it works and I like it, and I think it's good and easy to use, that may even be a template that I'd be willing to share for other people to use for their bingos. But again, it's all still under construction. So nothing solid yet. And we're gonna decide how exactly we're gonna break up among the team, the actual Photoshopping of the cards themselves. And there, there are some difficulties and tricky things with that, like Canva lets you, Canva is very accessible, but it has some funky ways of organizing text that makes specifically bingo cards kind of annoying to do. But that's all stuff that we're gonna be figuring out over the next couple of weeks. And uh, then we'll be posting the sign up form and fans will be coming in and we'll be sending out cards and we will keep you guys posted because when we come back uh, for our Thanksgiving episode, we will have open signups and we will have sent out some cards and we will have made all our rules and the FAQ and all that wonderful stuff. So we'll be able to talk about all of this with more specificity at that point. Yeah. And anyone asking to you, just like every other bingo, I know there will be a period in which you can get generic cards after you get your customized cards. Mm -hmm. um, and that period is longer than the customized card request list. So if you are particularly, I really have specific do not wants, or, you know, I really want to try dark thick, but here are my limits. And you'd like some personalization in that do make sure to keep an eye on the Tumblr and get in on the deadlines because those some, like we said, we'll be opening this during our pod hiatus. Right, so, so we won't be here to talk to you guys about it. We won't. Uh, we will be on both the STB and the Pod on the Suit server to talk about it for sure. Um, and y'all mostly know how to get a hold of us in other ways. But just as a reminder, if that's a real value to you, make sure to mark your calendar with November 1st because that will be when pre-orders for personal cards open. 
So we hope you guys are excited about this new series of Life of an Event. We are super excited that you guys liked this segment so much because we had a lot of positive feedback about it. So we are continuing it and continue to let us know if that's something you like or if there are specific questions about this event that you want us to answer or discuss on Life of an Event. So as we head into hiatus, we thought of ways that we could send you off with a smile. <laughs> Perhaps that you will miss us even more than we than you miss us currently. Because how we, could that be possible? <laughs> we would like to be pined for. Mm. Uh, we were looking back over the things that you guys have said you liked the most, and one of them was the ferret lightning round in Animal Corner that we did a couple episodes ago. So we're going to do that again today, except instead of breeds of things, we are going to do household pets. All right. And except for, I'm going to ask, essentially just throw out any type of animal that I can think of. Okay. And except for cat and dog, which we know that they are decent household pets. You probably have feelings, but like, I'm going to put those aside. Yeah. And have you do some of the more non-traditional ones. Okay. I guess, and I'm curious about those. So I would like everyone to know, that. since it's on topic, that as soon as we started recording Animal Corner, Frisk came into my recording studio, i.e., my office, to say hello. So a hello from Frisk. She's here, and she wants you all to know she loves you. Hi, baby. Um, I'm also not going to ask about ferrets because you have <laughs> talked about ferrets before. So don't be bracing yourself for a ferret question. Okay. Okay. So okay, the first. Thing, creature, mm-hmm. cryptid, I don't know, that I'd like to know about is a guinea pig. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, guinea pigs. Well, first up, they're prey animals. So right off the bat, they're a little skittery. And that's always something you're going to be up against when you're keeping guinea pigs, is that you have to ingratiate yourself to them. And for some guinea pigs, that's hard. And when I take care of other people's guinea pigs, they are never, ever, ever happy to see me. So if you want a pet that's going to be excited about strangers, guinea pigs are not a great way to go. But they're basically sums in real life, and that will never get old. I think they're one of the most aesthetically pleasing animals that you can keep as pets. I just freaking love them. They're like little beans and the ones, the long haired ones, their fur goes in all different directions. So it just like sticks up in absolutely like mad scientist waves. It's insane. Everybody, if you've never seen a long haired guinea pig, you must look because they're incredible. And they come in wacky patterns. And by far the best thing about guinea pigs is the noises that they make, which are just astounding. I had a friend growing up who had guinea pigs in her kitchen. They were like built into a hutch that was like under the counter in one corner. And every single time you opened the fridge, they thought they were getting a treat and they'd start making the guinea pig noise. And it's like, and it's just like, I just stand there and open and close the fridge so I could listen to them sing because I love it. So I love guinea pigs, but they are slightly challenging pets because they're pretty shy. But they're kind of big like rabbits. They're substantial, which I like in an animal. So I, if, you know, if they made guinea pigs that weren't so skittery, it, they might be perfect. But it's hard for them to get over the fact that they're pretty shy of people in general. And maybe you have wonderful guinea pigs listeners, and that's awesome. But on average, you got to admit, they're pretty scary. 
Yeah, my only experience with them is that they were a class pet in Common. primary school. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, next animal is pygmy goat. Pygmy goat. I mean, <laughs> they're farm animals. <laughs> Goats are not, they're just not at a place yet where they're like house pet domesticated. They're goats. They're raised to live on farms. They're not necessarily like, and if you have one on a farm and it's your pet, then that's awesome. But like, I just don't think they make great house pets. Um, I also knew a pygmy goat that was so fat. He was wider than he was tall. He lived at a barn that I used to ride horses at and he wanted to eat the grain, the horse's grain. So when you went into muck or to groom or tack up your horse, he would like use his horns to like wedge his way into the stall and try and eat their hay. And you'd have to grab him by the horns and wrestle him back out again. And he, I mean, he was a pygmy goat. He was small. He was low to the ground, but he, as I say, was wider than he was tall from eating all of the horse's food. And he had a little bit of heft behind him and it was a bit of a, and he loved that you were grabbing his horns. It's like when you, when a dog gets a rope and gets you to pull on it, goats just love a horn wrestle. So yeah, I think they're cute. I think the yoga thing's very silly, but you know, whatever makes you happy. But I'm not sure that, I mean, I don't actually know anybody who keeps a goat in their house. Is this something that we're aware of? Are people keeping goats in their houses? Is this something um, people do in LA? I don't know. I have definitely heard of people keeping goats if they like live in a converted barn, like that level of hipster. Okay. Um, but that's more of like a Texan thing. So I I'm don't just know. Like, are you going to be able to teach a goat to be housebroken? Maybe. I can't say for sure that you can't. And if anybody knows somebody who keeps goats, like, like I know people who have goats as pets who live on farms, but if you know somebody who keeps a goat as a pet, as one would keep a dog, I have questions and I hope that you will come give me answers because I, I don't have like a vision of that going exceedingly well. They do like to yeah. on things. They are fairly destructive and they have hooves. Hooves make me nervous, man. Like mm -hmm. it's just not something I'm into. Um, our next one is a two-toed sloth. <sighs> Sloths have it rough, man. I hope nobody's keeping a sloth as a pet. I, I will talk, I will scream until the cows who are domesticated come home about how it's entirely inappropriate to own wild animals as pets. And sloths are in no way domesticated at all. And they're very easy to stress out and a lot of them are endangered and they have tough lives as it is because they cannot get away from things very quickly. And uh, they suffer from a lot of, like there's a lot of, in some areas, a lot of chronic diseases that affects loss. And uh, unfortunately, sloths and lemurs and like sugar gliders and stuff are often suffer from the illegal pet trade and um, get snatched. I mean, all you know, if you see somebody with a pet monkey, that monkey, either that monkey or that monkey's parents were stolen from the wild. There's no other way to get a monkey. There's no domesticated monkeys. There's no domesticated sloths. These are animals that are wild animals that are being forced to live in somebody's house. And the truth is when they hit sexual maturity, you are fucked. <laughs> they're going to get that hit of testosterone 
or whatever, and they are going to destroy your house and they're going to attack you. And they just weren't made to live with people. They don't have, we haven't bred an instinct to pack with humans into them. And it, it's, it's just not, it's not good. It's not good. So please don't own a sloth as a pet or a monkey. Sorry, Kristen Bell. That's uh... I know. And like that video is one of my favorite videos on the internet. And I try not to look too closely at the company that brought the sloth. I'm sure it's like a party entertainment company because no self-respecting like wildlife education company would bring a sloth to a birthday party. So I have to be disappointed that there's a entertainment company out there that has a sloth that they are bringing to parties because that's not very fair for the sloth. But um, it, it is very sweet how much she loves them. <laughs> So speaking of domesticated, I'm looking at a Business Insider article that says that foxes could be on their way to being domesticated. Your feelings yeah. on that? Um, well, yeah. Basically, they, they are doing that. Um, it's fairly recent. I believe the first fox domestication program was in Russia. Uh, and that was, I want to say, about 10 years ago. But I would have to look that up to be sure. Um, and I might be wrong. That might have just been when I first heard about it, but they are working on domesticating foxes. It does take generations to domesticate. You can't domesticate a wild and a single wild animal. Domestication is a process that changes the species itself through breeding. So it has to take time to do it. And, you know, we've got a lot of time on wolves. <laughs> we do not have a lot of time on foxes. My understanding from people who have attempted to own foxes is that we're not there yet. <laughs> um, Got it. They too have the issue of hitting sexual maturity and becoming territorial, marking, becoming aggressive and uh, difficult to handle. Obviously, this has been improved by the domestication process they've gone through, but there's a reason they're not being sold like, you know, this isn't something people are breeding in their backyards yet. And uh, part of it is that foxes are extremely high energy and very smart and very stubborn. They basically like, if you took the worst dog breeds, i.e. huskies, I love huskies, everyone. I love them. No normal person should own a husky. They are working dogs 100% and they need extremely specific things. And basically foxes are like the worst husky. <laughs> So I understand they're very sweet and they can be very affectionate and I'm not really sure how I feel about deciding to domesticate them. I have pretty strong feelings that animals should be domesticated for a purpose. So almost all the animals we've domesticated up until now have either been domesticated so that we could eat them or so that they could perform jobs for us. So guinea pigs, for example, were domesticated so we could eat them. And horses were domesticated so they could take us places. And dogs were domesticated to perform a number of jobs, including herding and guarding and other things. So we usually have like a plan in place, but foxes are purely being domesticated so that people who want to make money off of breeding them can sell them. I presume there's no other reason. There's no job they do as far as I'm aware. And I believe that the first programs for domesticating foxes were specifically as pets. So I don't know. I feel like we got a long way to go. Um, I get the appeal. I get it. Foxes are beautiful. You could not freaking pay me to have one in my house. They apparently smell 
Oh, there's a story I heard. I heard that someone was looking to buy a fox from a breeder and they told, or maybe, no, no, it was someone wanted to foster foxes for a rescue organization that takes foxes that people have given up because it turns out actually they're very hard to keep. And they said one of the requirements of fostering for the rescue was that you had to, they gave you a jar of fox urine and you had to leave it open in your house for a week before and like stand the stench before they would let you take a fox into your house because they smell so bad that if you're not prepared for the stink of fox urine all over your house, then you're just gonna be giving the foster back. So I get it, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, they laugh, which is funny. And uh, people think that they're, you know, sort of like dog cats, but they're still wild. Oh, and the other interesting thing was the more they bred them, the more dog-like, the ones, their features became more dog-like. So as they bred them to be more domesticated and to work towards um, a fox that was better with people, less aggressive and, and less wild, they, their features shifted through the breeding line as a side note without them selectively breeding for that. They were selectively breeding for temperament and the result they got was that their features became more dog-like, which I think is really interesting. Fascinating. I'm going to be ruminating on living with fox urine <laughs> for a while. Um, if I, if I can find the story, I'll link it in the show notes if I can find it. It's purely anecdotal. I, this is the only time I've ever wished we had a visual medium because I really wish you could all see my face right now. <laughs> I um, think we can imagine. Oh, Christ on a cracker. So I have one more animal to ask about, but I want to say that in that same article about foxes being domesticated was said that Salvador Dali owned an anteater as a pet. Oh, I think I knew that. I mean, like he's one of my favorite artists, but an anteater? There's definitely like, there's a status thing for owning wild animals. They're expensive. They're hard to get. And I think some people just think the weirder the animal that they have, the more it looks like you know, it, you know, it's all about looking cool. I don't think anyone's bonding with their anteater. With their anteater. Okay. So you talked about domestication for a purpose. Yeah. And that made me wonder about teacup pigs. (laughs) Oh no. I mean, because like domesticating, like as far as I can tell, like pigs serve their purpose and that they live outside our house and then we kill them for meat. Yeah. Domesticating them doesn't seem to serve any purpose in the way that you were talking about. So talk to me about pigs. Okay. So, I mean, first off, pigs are domesticated. We domesticated them for, to be livestock, but they're not house. None of their, none of the instincts that we bred into them was for them to live in houses. So as we domesticated dogs, we then, they started out presumably being bred to live outside. So it wasn't critical that they share small spaces with humans, but as we have used them as companions and so on, and, you know, down the line, we have been selectively breeding over a a long time to teach them to live in homes. Pigs were being bred specifically to produce meat. And they were also being bred to be docile enough to live in herds. Are they herds? Are they called herds? Now I'm second guessing myself. Herds of pigs. That doesn't sound right. To live in in groups (laughs) um, on farms and be able to be handled enough to be farmed. But I can tell you farm, farm cattle, farm pigs, you know, livestock are not generally 
affectionate. They're not necessarily comfortable being handled. A lot of the time they are handled through uh, like distance control. So they'll be, you know, poked in a certain direction or, or um, fences will be put up in certain ways to guide them in certain directions. And, you know, especially male pigs can be aggressive. So they are domesticated, but they're not house trained, if you will. And my second point is that teacup pigs don't exist. There's no such thing as a teacup pig. Um, this idea that they stay like chihuahua sized is 100% a scam. They were started out, I mean, the first person I knew about who had a teacup pig and made a thing out of it was Paris Hilton. I don't know, it, you know, that was definitely the time that the concept of a teacup pig took off and it became this like public consciousness thing but um, I don't know where she got the idea from, but basically mini pigs as they're now called because everybody I think has realized that teacup pigs are fake. Um, they're still being called mini pigs, they're still being sold. What people do is they breed the pigs before they're fully grown. Pigs actually take a couple of years to be fully grown. They have long lives and they grow slowly. So they breed underage pigs, hashtag problematic content and offer the show the babies and they say oh you can see the parents they're mini pigs and people go and see the parents and go oh they're very small perfect my pig will not grow up to be very large and then the parents are still growing so a couple years later they're the size of normal pigs uh, we have successfully bred them to be a little bit smaller but people are expecting to get like uh, like a french bulldog sized pig and we're talking like still a hundred pounds, 120 pounds. So like oh my God. you're still getting a big pig. It's just that it's not the size of, you know, like the record setting male farm pig, but you have to imagine you're getting a St. Bernard with shorter legs. So right off the bat, they're not going to be as small as you think they are. And you have to, if you go to like a pig breeder and they're showing you small pigs and saying that's the parents, those parents are very likely not fully grown. And this is the scam that was run. And the teacup pigs were all brand new baby piglets. So the, the pig that Paris Hilton had in her purse was an infant and that's why it was so small. And it got huge. And there are pictures of her with her giant pig, which she did um, if, you know, from what I saw, I, I mean, I can't say this is 100% true, but what I saw was that she kept her pig and he grew to be fully sized and, um, she continues to care for him. I think he might live on a farm, but she supports him, which, you know, she fell for the scam. She got a, she got a pig. She was responsible for a lot of pigs ending up in sanctuary. So I'm actually really impressed that she chose not to, uh, just abandon hers, but Pigs being abandoned is a big problem. Pigs ending up in sanctuaries is a big problem. Not having enough farm sanctuary space for pigs is a big problem. Um, a lot of them, again, we run into the problem. They hit sexual maturity and they become aggressive. They become territorial and they may be very loving and affectionate with their immediate family they grew up with, but they may be very intolerant of guests and they usually don't learn to walk on leash very well or end up interacting with dogs very well after they've hit that sexual maturity. You're also gonna be hard pressed to find a vet that's going to be taking care of the pet at the level of, that you want for a pet instead of livestock, which I know farmers love their animals, but there's different expectations for livestock and their health. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you have a farm animal in your house. 
I have one pig I care for. And the reason that my company was hired to care for her is because she's aggressive and territorial. And she, we've been caring for her for several years. And she's been like that from day one. And she's gotten worse. She's also gotten bigger. She's bit me. Um, and you have to be really, really, really attentive and really careful around her. And uh, they got her because they're allergic to dogs. On that note, a group of pigs <laughs> called a passel. Oh, I did not know that. There a group of pogs is called a sounder. You know what? I think I'd heard that one. Oh, no, sorry. A group of swine. And then a group of boars is called a singular. That seems like a very silly, silly name for a group of something. I mean, a murder of crows is also like the whole nine. So to end on a happy note, let's talk a little bit about Frisk. <gasps> My baby. So what breed is Frisk? Frisk is a Jindo. It is a Korean hunting breed. So she was bred to hunt. And they kind of look like Shiba Inus with long legs. Uh, she is actually only about half Jindo and her other half is Chow and Akita. And I know that because her whole litter was adopted out to families in my area. And one of her brother's owners ended up doing the DNA kit. And because all the puppies were for the, from the same litter, the same parents, uh, that means we all got the results. So she is mostly Jindo, but she's also got some Akita and some Chow. And if you line her up with her brothers, and I do have a picture of their birthday party, so I do have a picture of her with her brothers. Um, she is by far the most Jindo looking one. She's the palest, she's the skinniest, she's the sleekest and the smallest, and they get progressively browner, broader, and floofier as you go up the row of her brothers. <laughs> That's funny. So what is her favorite activity besides napping? Uh, zooming. And her favorite Zoom is to chase something. So her like ideal activity, I think, would be, I would love to take her to a racetrack like a greyhound racetrack where they have the um, rabbit on the string. Yeah. And just see how fast she can really go because I don't think she's fully let go at the dog park. And I have seen her, I've like, she is really, really fast. And she's come close. A couple times she got into it with like a whippet and they started going really fast at the dog park. But I think that it's just not, it's, a, it's the size of a park. I don't think it's big enough for her to fully let loose. She needs like a full furlong <laughs> to let out. So I would love to take her to a racetrack and have her chase the, as much as I disagree with Greyhound Racing. <laughs> if they've got the facility already, I wish they would let you go run your own dogs and time them because I would love to see how fast she would go. And she would adore getting to chase the rabbit. Just love it. So yeah, that's her favorite activity, hunting. And what is her favorite food? Anything that isn't her kibble. Okay. <laughs> Probably pizza or hot dogs because my husband will give her both. And A lady of discerning tastes. Yeah, she loves a salty meat. And she, the one thing that like, I feed her very little people food. She is excellent at leave a take it. That's one of her best skills. She can, you can tell her to leave something and leave the room, leave the floor and then call her on the phone and say, take it and she'll eat the thing. But she has not learned not to beg. So she will sit and stare at you if you've got something good. 
and uh, we have a thing where she'll be asleep in her bed upstairs, top floor, and my husband will use the microwave and she will run downstairs because she knows he's reheating pizza. And uh, <laughs> she cannot hear me calling her name from 10 feet away if she's got her head in a bush smelling chipmunk pee or something. But the slight crackle of a hot dog wrapper from two floors away, all of a sudden, from deep sleep, she arises like a kraken. So any junk food, really. She just loves junk. She loves people food. She loves junk food. Honestly, a girl after my own heart. Yeah. And um, she didn't eat. She didn't eat anything the first, I don't know, six months we had her. She was underweight. I couldn't get her to eat. And then we got Frisbee and specifically to make her eat. <laughs> we rescued Frisbee so she'd eat. And uh, she started eating while he was here. And uh, now she eats great. That is a really positive note to end on. Frisk is a joy, <laughs> not only to you and Mr. Ferret, but to all of us that you share her with. So thank you so much. I hope we will still get some Frisk pictures over the hiatus. Um, if Even if it's just another shot of her wearing your headphones, because I love them. <laughs> she loves listening to the pod. Um, she is our mascot. So... I think I will now officially on this positive note, call an end to this animal corner. Thank you for your brain, Ferret. Anytime. Hi, fandom. Only more love here. Back with the events forecast to share some info about what's going on challenge-wise in a Marvel fandom near you. Here's the usual note before I start with the current events. You'll be able to find everything I mention in this forecast linked and explained in the show notes of each episode over on podonthesuit.com. Since we've gotten that out of the way, let's move on to the fun stuff. Preview week for Marvel Trump's Hate has officially started. From today until next Saturday, October 17th, you can browse all the offerings that have been submitted, search for your favorite creator or your favorite ship, and make notes on your discoveries of new people offering things you'd enjoy, so that when auction week is announced, you'll be ready and set to go. Have fun, do good, be amazing. Signups for the Cap I Am Holiday Exchange have opened. Gifts can be thick. 1,000 words minimum, or art, digital or traditional, and must focus on Steve and Tony's relationship. Happening on the same schedule is the community gifts prompting and filling. As it says on the tin, people are free to leave prompts to be filled by the community for the community. There are no minimums or signups, just low-pressure Steve-Tony love spreading. A new exchange for dark fic lovers has arrived. The stony, sad, secret Santa, with its focus on angst and dark themes, its minimum of 3,000 words and maximum of 7,000 words, will keep its signups open until October 30th, with assignments going out on November 2nd, and works due by December 20th. Go, give us a good cry over the holidays. Author signups for The Marvelously Naughty Bang are now closed. Artist signups, on the other hand, remain open 
until November 14th. Time to get ready for some amazing claiming. The MCU Kink Bang is back. Signups will remain open for all creators until November 22nd, with a check-in on December 13th and all submissions due January 5th. Claims will occur on January 10th. Because the kink bang is a mixed bang, both art pieces and stories will be submitted and therefore available for claims, allowing for all sorts of collabs. Have fun! The Marvel Holiday Movie Prompt Fest was announced on October 1st and will be running until January 31st. With its two sets of prompts, one autumnal, one wintry, the fest invites you to create any kind of work featuring any Marvel character, as long as it's inspired by one of the aforementioned prompts. It's time for some tropey fun, folks. The Steve Tony Bucky, or STB, bingo. A bingo allowing content creation for all four combinations of these three characters will open for card signups on November 1st. The collection will be open for fills between December 1st and June 30th. Step right up and grab a card. The Iron Dad Big Bang is happening again this year. With its 10 or 20,000 word minimum, the Bang is looking for works focusing on the platonic and father-son relationship between Peter and Tony also known as Iron Dad and Spider Son. Writer signups will go on until December 1st, with two check-ins before works are due on January 15th, which is also the day artist signups will close. Claims will then happen on January 25th, and final collaborations will post starting March 15th. The Sam Steve Small Gifts Exchange is also back for a second season. If you'd like to gift some cap-squared love for the holiday season, this is your chance. Sign-ups will go on until October 16th, with assignments going out on the 19th, and works due between December 26th and January 3rd. Don't miss out! A great number of multi-fandom exchanges are also going on at all times, and if you'd like to look into them, take a look at the Fandom Calendar page on Dreamwith. Not all of them are promoted there, but it's a very good start. The Cap IM Bingo and Comment Bingo, Cap IM Kink Meme, and Lights on Park Avenue are still open for participant signups and or contributions. And the links to all of these are still in our show notes for the past episodes. This is also the time of year where a lot of prompt lists with themes go out. So if you like those, we recommend searching Tumblr for Comfortember, Whomptober, and Kinktober, for example. Well, friends, that brings us to the end of your events forecast. Thanks so much for lending us your ears. Hope you'll join us again next episode. Until then, please stay safe and happy shipping. And that's a wrap on episode 17. Big thank you to Sir Sapling for being our wonderful cover artist and for sharing his feelings on alts in our interview. Also, the ultimate stony server is about to restart its starter book club. 
Plus, it's almost Alts Day, which is October 16th, 1610, if anyone's keeping track at home. So if you're interested in getting involved with either or all of those things, head to the link to the server in the show notes that we will link below. As we said in the episode, when we see you again, we will be talking about thankfulness for our fandom lives. And if it's just me and Ferret, that'll be pretty lame, y'all. So please, 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 please send us fandom feelings, create fan works, hop into the server, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We want to make this a community event and not just a flame and ferret rambling one. So please help. We are on hiatus for the next two episodes, but we'll still be active in the server, as we said, and we will be pimping MTH everywhere. We are both for sale. So feel free to come bid on us or any of the other amazing nearly 300 creators offering their time and creativity for charity. There's a link to the MTH Discord server in the show notes. Please, please come out. Every single bid counts and you wouldn't believe the amazing fan works that are available. We actually have over 400 auctions and every single one of them is fantastic. And there are so many different amazing things. You can get crafts, you can get fic, you can get betas, you can get all sorts of amazing stuff. Check it out, check it out, check it out. (laughs) We can't do the good that MTH does without people like you bidding, sharing, signal boosting, participating and getting involved in all the wonderful ways that you do. So thank you. Absolutely. And just an extra plug again, where if you are cash strapped this year, we get it. Lots and lots of folks are, but we are not joking when signal boosting and encouragement is just as valuable. In the next three weeks, a lot of creators, especially first time ones are going to be really, really nervous about bidding or what people are saying about them or things like that. So if you are somebody who is a natural cheerleader, y'all, this is your time to shine on the sir reblog their stuff on tumblr highlight things that are the gold needles which you can learn about on the mth server if you have no cash but lots of enthusiasm we want it <laughs> there's lots of ways to participate in this we promise so have a wonderful rest of the fall or spring depending on which side of the world you're on and we will see you in november with episode 18 you've been listening to pod on the suit thanks for joining us 